much as we want to minimize this amount of manual effort, if you completely leave the, the machines to, to talk to each other, problems will arise. So you need to make sure that you are monitoring or at least creating processes that will alert you. Welcome to Actualizing Success. In this podcast series, our in-house advisors discuss today's finance and technology topics with an emphasis on solutions that embrace tomorrow. My name is Hunter Brown. I'm a senior consultant with Actualizer Consulting, and I am working with Rob on setting up API integration. So today, uh, Rob and I will be discussing technology in the fintech world, specifically focusing on automation. Hi, I'm Rob Granger. I'm a senior manager, Actualized Consulting, working on TMS implementations. One of my specific focuses is around API and RPA integrations. What are some common forms of automation and how do they impact us at different levels of the industry? From my view, from working with, with various clients, I'd say that the automation that these teams are looking to, to deliver uh, really allows them to minimize the amount of time spent on the day-to-day operations of moving data around between systems allows them to focus on making strategic decisions, which is uh, going to be a much more interesting focus for those teams to, to spend time working with, as well as reducing the amount of manual manual effort, manual error handling that they'll find in that data. So often teams might be updating an Excel sheet for, let's say, monthly forecasts or uh, positions, um, moving data across from a, a prior version of that file, we see that a lot when we're implementing systems, looking at existing processes that we're replacing, and perhaps finding typos in those calculations when they do that. Um, I'm wondering how long that error has been there. So what these systems really allow you to do is uh, reduce the amount of error in these manual processes and, and save more time for, for working on the things that need to be handled operationally. The, and the key thing I would say is that the team members aren't being replaced by these tools. These tools are just allowing them to spend more time on, on things they really need to be doing. So their jobs are, are getting more, more focused on kind of strategic endeavors. I think one of the best parts about um, the automation is it allows us to um, take these, these key star players and highlight their abilities outside of just daily operational duties. Um, so we can take some of that focus away from operation and see what they're really good at and what they want to do successful with. You uh, talked about having um, team members using this automation to uh, help avoid error um, and automate some of the key processes, uh, such as cash position worksheets. Um, how can those treasury teams leverage? There's really three main levels of automation that we're dealing with. Typically in our work, we're implementing treasury systems and then working with enhancing the usage of those systems. At a base level, I'd say teams are using any kind of system uh, doing some form of automation, whether that's prior to implementing any kind of TMS. So if they're using Excel to manage forecasting and positioning, then there is some level of automation there. Um, typically, that's pulling data down from a, a bank portal, pushing that into Excel. There's going to be some kind of uh, process for doing that, whether that's loading uh, payments into the bank portal. There's going to be some kind of process for putting that upload file together. So I'd say that's really the, the initial level within the team that you'd see. And then moving on up, you'd get to a TMS implementation, which is the main focus of a lot of the work I do. Um, and I know you do as well. So really, as we start to implement that TMS, we're looking at the other systems that we need to integrate with, pulling in market data, 
pulling in forecast data, uh, maintaining static data like companies and accounts, and really starting to integrate with those other systems to pull in payments, perhaps sending those payments to to the bank, pulling in bank statements. All of those uh, all those integrations really form some kind of automation, and they allow you to report across those various domains within the team. The next level up, I'd say, is where you're really using that system as part of a, a holistic view of your various enterprise systems. Integrating with the ERP it is a very common part of TMS project, but you can really start to report across data from both systems and, and various other systems as well. As you start to use BI, you start to kind of break down those silo walls, integrating data perhaps with some kind of data lake, sending data from the TMS, the ERP, whatever other internal systems, FPNA. To that data lake, you can build your own reporting across those systems. And I'd say the way that you can really leverage that um, as you're looking to maybe increase the level of automation in your team, maybe working with your existing software providers, um, your internal IT teams, looking at case studies from, from other companies that have had similar challenges. Uh, and of course, working with consulting firms like Actualize, you can start to look at where you can improve those processes. Uh, where you can start to drive additional value from the systems you already have and look at where you might want to kind of glue those together a little more tightly. Thank you so much for uh, that information. We have two key players in automation. Uh, typically, those are API and RPAs. Um, they have very similar outcomes. Uh, would you mind describing what they are and how you determine which to use? Sure. Yeah, I'd say um, both have become very popular in the last few years. APIs are really having a, a moment right now, but I expect, I expect that to see something be something that we see continue. So RPA is robotic process automation. Typically, that's looking at automating the user interface of a system, whether that's a, a desktop application or a, a SaaS tool. And what we're really looking to do there is automate clicks and typing into the front end of a system that allows us to automate processes that we can't otherwise manage. So as with all automation, that's really looking at saving time reducing any kind of manual errors, and RPA does a good job of that. APIs refer to application programming interfaces. So that's really a very generic term. Almost anything to deal with in software is an API in some degree. When we're referring to APIs, we're typically referring to web APIs, where you're using a URL, so essentially a, a website address, to interact with data owned by that system behind that URL. So those have been around for quite a while, but one of the challenges has been having the, the software providers actually implement these APIs in a way that, that's useful. So that's taken some time. We've seen that um, happen a lot more quickly with commercial software, and that's really starting to come of age with these enterprise systems. The various TMS providers, which are out, is our focus, are starting to, to open up these APIs. In my view, RPA is a tool that we use where we need to, but wherever possible, an API is gonna be a more powerful hook into, into your data. So RPA is something that's been around for several years. There's a few key players. The big three really are UiPath, Automation Anywhere, and Blue Prism, but there are a whole host of other providers out there that can be used. These are sleep private software companies. They do charge, and you typically need to, to get these licenses to be able to use RPA. 
And whilst it adds a lot of value and it allows you to open up and automate processes that you you wouldn't otherwise be able to do, they do have challenges in the sense that they're liable to break as the software that you're automating changes over time. So they do need to be built in a way that can handle errors, will report these errors, and, and that can be managed as those errors occur. Other challenges include things like network latency issues. So if you're automating a SaaS product and your internet is running particularly slowly on a five-minute period, let's say, uh, maybe you're not getting the response from that website in time. Depending on how uh, robustly built that robot has been designed, it might give some kind of unknown error. So you really need to uh, kind of take that into account with RPA. So APIs have their own challenges. I'm not saying that they're perfect, but they really provide a kind of programmatic access to these systems in a way that is going to be much more predictable. With any with any of these systems, you're you're dealing with essentially distributed computing, which means we don't know what's on the other end of that API. We don't know how long it's going to take to respond. But once you're using APIs, you would expect there to be a certain expectation um, and level of expertise in designing the solutions that use those APIs. It's essentially a, a programming problem. So some of the costs involved with using APIs are those that any kind of software project has. Testing is going to be a large part of using those. You can actually use RPA to, to call APIs. So you could have a non-developer uh, drag and drop API calls in, react to that data that you, you retrieve from the system, and then build out workflows from there. You're essentially building workflows and interacting with your data as you do so. So anything that does that has a certain level of complexity. I would say as you start to get more complex and you're building these, these much more complex interactions, code becomes a necessity there really because it gives you a lot more power. You mentioned that whenever you're using APIs, uh, we need to uh, wait for the information to be returned. Um, is there a better way to confirm the status of the request or receive that confirmation? Yeah, so when you're using an API, it can be quite chatty if you're having to check to see whether the request you made is complete or not. So let's say you want to pull a large report. Um, you make an API call to, to run that report and you're waiting for the response. It can use a lot of network traffic for you to keep pinging that system to say, are you done yet? Are you done yet? So that can lead to a very chatty application that uses quite a lot of bandwidth to, to maintain. So ideally, what you, you would use to get that two-way communication would be what's called a webhook. The downside of an API call really is that uh, it's a one-way street. You can ask questions of a certain system, um, but you won't get any response spontaneously. Uh, a webhook is a, an opportunity for you to essentially store your own address in that other system and tell it to ping you when it's done uh, or ping you when a process kicks off. So really to get that two-way communication, you need both APIs and webhooks. Because with APIs, it seems that like you can almost set and forget them. Uh, do these seem like a good replacement for a host-to-host connection? Yeah, so I'd say for large batches of data, less so. So APIs are something that add a lot of value and, and can do things that existing kind of file drops can't manage. APIs really allow you to have those two-way communications that we've discussed, uh, allows you to react to the data that you get and then make uh, workflow decisions as to what the next step should be. But that's not to say that the existing communication standards are going to go away. Some of the main upsides of 
host-to-host uh, -host connections, for example, file drops, are uh, handling large volumes of data. So for example, technologies like uh, FTP, SFTP, they work much better with high volume data. They're not gonna be as suitable for real-time connections. So if you're looking to get a real-time payment over to your bank, an API is great. If you're looking to send a half gigabyte file full of journal entries between systems, you'd probably still want to use um, a host-to-host -host SFTP connection. I mean, the other upside as well is that something like that is simple. You've probably already got, uh, depending on whether you already have TMS uh, in place, you've probably already got that kind of connection uh, in use. Where the API really adds value is where you have systems communicating with each other to uh, handle errors and take action based on those errors. So you can add a lot more control with an API, but you do potentially need more infrastructure, maybe some middleware uh, to make API calls across multiple systems. You may well need uh, expertise in-house about having software developers to write code to call these APIs. So they do take work to use. Um, so it really depends how much capacity for that effort you have. Yeah, I believe uh, you know a, a good example of that is with a SFTP is kind of a dumb connection. Uh, it's just going to take that file, pick it up, and move it. Whereas an API can have a very strong integration um, with whatever platform it's moving to and uh, really process that based on what the code is telling it to do, um, which is a, is a huge benefit. But it just can't do as much uh, data at a time. So it really allows for a kind of multi-stage data push and pull that can potentially resolve errors on its own or in practice maybe make better decisions on how to route those errors to, to the right person. Thank you so much for going into uh, the API. Uh, what are some of the dangers that can come from over-automation? What are some things we need to avoid? I think something that in the, the fintech world risk is every, you know, everything. So how do we avoid those risks? Much as we want to minimize this amount of manual effort, if you completely leave the, the machines to, to talk to each other, problems will arise. So you need to make sure that you are monitoring or at least creating processes that will alert you. So exception handling, what to do when there's an error is, is critical. But I would say that just because a process has been automated doesn't mean that it doesn't need to be monitored and, and that data and output reviewed. So there's a balance between saving time up front and then saving time in, in having to unwind errors that filter through various systems. A, a classic one that we deal with some of the time is, is in mapping tables. So often we will need to use mapping tables to uh, convert between different types of data to ensure that the different systems talking to each other are talking each other's language. So when with these mapping tables, let's say we have uh, account codes and account numbers in those. The question is, what do we do if that mapping table gets out of date? Typically, we want to avoid something throwing an error. Maybe we'll have that process create some kind of default value in the case where something fails to be mapped. But then what happens downstream when that's the case? Does that mean exceptions then hit a different system requiring manual exception handling? Is that process actually any better? Or are we just pushing the work onto someone else? So you kind of need to take a holistic view on that and make sure that these uh, these processes are failing in the right way, if indeed they're going to fail. So I'd say the real goal is to people more time to make decisions. Sometimes getting that pain up front can be better. We're trying to minimize the amount of manual error in a process, but that's not to say that we don't want to review the outputs 
but maybe fewer different people will need them to do that review. But it can certainly be better to do those reviews up front. You do want someone to know how to fix this process if something goes wrong down the line. So I would say that automation is a, a kind of noble goal, but we need to be aware that you don't want to go too far with that. You want to make sure that there's still a human in the loop using the output of that data and validating that it does look correct. This has been incredible information today. Thank you for sharing. Um, what are your top takeaways for our listeners today? Yeah, thanks, Hunter. It's uh, been a pleasure. Uh, I'd say the main takeaways from today really are that um, that APIs uh, add a huge amount of value, but they do need to be kind of considered holistically in kind of terms of a, a digital transformation. I'd say if you're looking at existing connections that are using uh, file drops, they may not all be suitable for APIs, but in fact, there may be other processes that can be automated that are more suitable for APIs that you wouldn't have considered otherwise. So it's definitely something to, to look into, uh, maybe discuss with the IT departments or consultants that you're working with. As a second point, I'd say that uh, just be wary of over-automation. I'd say be cognizant of um, the effort that goes into maintaining an automated process and the need to maintain that expertise internally within your own team. If, if maintaining an automated process is not um, in the team's wheelhouse, just be aware of the need to make sure that's managed somewhere internally and well-documented so that it can be revisited. One of the possible issues with automation is that you forget it's there because it's working so well until the day it breaks. Just ensure that things are well-documented, ensure you have that expertise maintained uh, or know where to find it if needed. Um, thank you, Rob, for your um, knowledge on automation today. Um, we all really, really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of Actualizing Success. Make sure to visit us online at www.actualizeconsulting.com where you can explore our service offerings. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or your preferred platform. If you've enjoyed what we talked about today, please consider leaving a review and following us on LinkedIn. If you have any questions or would like to share your opinions with us, please send us a note at podcast at actualizeconsulting.com. We look forward to hearing from you.